Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast powered by DeerCast. And this is our very special rut series where we've got Terry Drury joining us for every episode. And he's just going to give us a tip. Don't say it the way it's meant to be said. How's that? You Am I going to get it wrong? All right. So you're Tim. Chelswick. We're giving tips away. Is that I'm Matt Drury. And this segment's called Just the Tip. And this was Tim's idea. Because... <laughs> <laughs> and there we got a graph. Hey, yeah. What's up, Terry? Good morning, everyone. How we doing? We're doing good. Excited for the rut. Like, you know, it's we're getting close. Yeah. So some some years the temperatures don't exactly cooperate. And this mm-hmm. year I feel like the moon and the, the temperatures might actually cooperate for the second part of the moon phase, right? The early morning hunts, some great you know, uh, great timber action. You got a good timber set, like TA. The, yeah. Timber action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. TA. That's right. <laughs> what? what? So l- listen, here's how the okay. show's going to go. <laughs> it's called just a tip because we wanted it to be just about a tip for our listeners going into the rut. So and the whole series is focused on rut. activity. <laughs> really? It's a bonus because we're giving away two tips per show. Yeah. For this first one, for sure. So I think what we're going to try to do is four or five different rut episodes, depending how well-behaved audiences are Terry, depending how Terry does. So this first episode is brought to you by who Tim. All right. So uh, our first question is brought to you by pH outdoors, makers of the do it all G series of no till drills. And we got to thank our buddy, John Engelbrecht, who uh, is in the rack pack. And he submitted this question via the post that Matt Drury made. All right. So what's the question? He, he wants to know when hunting areas with a lot of ridges like Southwestern Wisconsin, what's a good morning st- rut strategy for a farm that it's on top of a ridge with some property going downhill? He's got 160, uh, excuse me, 160 acre farm with 60 to 70% of the farm in ag fields that have already been harvested and access is only from the top side. All right, Terry. hit the hole just the tip let's hear it thank you john for that question i think that one's probably pretty universal for a lot of guys that that hunt timber ridges it's mixed with some ag fields down in the bottoms and it's kind of a no-brainer meaning if you're going to hunt a farm like that i would try to stick to the top of that ridge in the mornings you know when your thermals are rising as the heat or as the sun starts to rise in the mornings and starts to warm the earth it's particularly on a high pressure morning, all of a sudden your thermals are going straight up and you can literally get by with murder on those days as far as your scent control is concerned, because it just keeps going up and up and up. Uh, and conversely, in the evenings, I would probably try to get down towards those bottom fields, towards those ag fields, because in the evenings, as the earth starts to cool, when the sun is setting, all of a sudden your thermals are sliding downhill. So if you're still setting up on top of that ridge in the evening, you may have the wind in your face, but your thermals may be sliding right down that right down that uh, slope or that hillside. So if if access is only from the top, 
You may have to be really, really careful trying to get down there in the evenings, but that's the type of thing that you do in the winter months. You go in there and you cut a trail so that you can slip in there without, you know, doing too much damage. And I would use either a ravine, a creek, some kind of little hogback on each side where you can slip down that ravine or that creek to get to that bottom in the evening and not try and bump too many deer out of there. Sounds like a, a, a smaller tract. I don't, I don't remember. What was the acreage? 160 or one? Yeah. Yeah. So you obviously certainly don't want to run the deer out that you're planning on hunting. So I would, that's the type of preparation that you do in the, in the spring or in the winter months, go in there and cut an area, a trail, make sure there is no debris in your way. So when you come in there in the afternoon, you can slide down there and get into your set really easily. And I would do that in two or three spots. And then conversely mornings, I'd hunt the tops. I'd stay right up top because they're going to, they're going to run that ridge before they go bed on that hillside. Those thermals are going up and they're scent checking all of that before they go just off of that side hill and bed and um, and bed. So I would stay up top, let my thermals rise in the mornings Is and there, I would hunt those on high pressure days. You know, I, you hear often like during shed season about South facing hillsides and, and, and the deer population kind of bedding on South facing hillsides. Is that something when you're thinking about hanging your stand that you think through for a ridge, like which side of the ridge to hang on? Well, typically, you know, this time of year, we're experiencing extremely warm temperatures. So you want to do both. You want to make sure that you have something on a north facing, meaning it's going to be cooler on that north facing hillside uh, for these warm temperatures. Mm. And then have something on that south facing. If you get down in those single digits and, and uh, you know, really, really cold temps, negative numbers to where you do have something where when that sun comes up they're they're going to be betting on the south facing. Absolutely. Well, like what we're getting ready to experience here, you know, especially in the Midwest, for sure, you're looking at temperatures and say like the 30s and highs in the low 40s, those types of temperatures. Does it really matter? It's probably more about where you're sighing. If you have scrape lines or, you know, uh, rubs or anything like that, you're probably hanging on sign, aren't you at this point? Absolutely. Because those temperatures are just average. Yeah. You know, it seems like a cold front to us. They've got, you know, starting to put that winter coat on. So they've been walking around really, really slow because all of the warm temperatures here of late, you know, that that uh, movement has been suppressed and subdued. Most of it's at night and you don't see any balls out chasing. You see some really, really slow movement because they they are already putting winter coats on. So this cool temperature, this little snap we got coming, I think will be a light switch event. They've been waiting on it just like we have. You're going to see some you know, much increased activity, but it's, it's just average for them. But I, I, in answer to your question, Matt, yeah, I would, uh, wherever that sign's at, if, if you don't have the sign, you create the sign, meaning if there's not a rub there and you know, it's the perfect spot, easy to get into, easy to access, then I would, you know, if there's not a lot of sign there, I would create it. I'd create my own rubs. I'd build my own scrapes. I'd get rid of some of the overhanging limbs you know, in both directions and try and try and divert them to a certain scrape line. I'd maybe make two or three and they'll check it eventually. Their first, their first, not assigned events, but the first thing they do is they got to see it. So don't be embarrassed to build a big one size of a car hood and uh, make sure that they see that, you know, if you don't have scrapes within your proximity and then maybe make another one just down from there. So create those if need be. This might be a silly question, but uh, how the hell do you make a rub? What are you doing with a, with a trim saw? Really? Just go just... up and down, up and down and peel that bark off with a trim saw. It works really well. We do it on all of our scrape trees. Huh. I've know? never heard that. Yeah. Interesting. All right. <laughs>
And, and to the, to a deer, that's, just that's a signpost, you know, that that's what they look for when they're going through the timber and they see one, you know, Mick Dundee's a good, a good example. The other day, that thing was shining and you could see it from way off. Oh, so I wondered how was, long it would take you to bring up your 216 you killed. Oh, We're at seven geez, minutes and 54 Terry. seconds. <laughs> Let's talk here a little bit about oh. the, uh, speaking of Mick Dundee, I killed the, the biggest deer the, of my life. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, tell me about the, your boys' 200 inch deer. <laughs> All right. So we're at eight minutes here. I want to jump into the next uh, question. All Absolutely. Right. So the next question is brought to you by Sportsman's Channel, your home for everything red, wild, and blue, and your home for Winchester and Drury's Natural Born. Okay. This next question is brought is uh, from Cole Wallace there in the Rack Pack. He says, and this kind of, I think, ties into the last question a little bit. How do you hunt 100% timber during deer during the rut? I live in SEMO, Southeast Missouri, and am fortunate enough to have some private ground, but it's all timber surrounded by everyone else around me's timber. It seems the deer never have to be in the same place twice and have tons of white oak trees, just like everyone else, which is a, is their primary food source in the fall. What are some things a guy can do or look for to put the odds in his favor under these conditions? But thanks. Love the podcast, by the way. Well, thanks, Cole. All right. Just the tip. What do you have, Terry? Thank you, Cole. That's, a, I'd say, a pretty typical scenario, particularly down there in the southeast where some of these big, big, massive blocks of timber. So it is difficult. It's one of the harder things to do. And we're going to be talking about food source on the next episode. Uh, but this one is, is tricky. And we kind of touched on it just briefly there. I would create those scrapes, those rub lines, and I would trim some of those overhanging limbs. And first and foremost, you do have to identify indigenous food source. And he's already done that. He knows that he's got white oaks that are dropping and there may be reds and pins. I don't know what all uh, mass crop he would have. But you identify, you know, are you hunting close to agriculture or are you strictly mass crop, which he's done that. He's identified that. So he knows his neighbors are out there doing the exact same thing he is. So you got to be smart. This is this is one of those things you've got to have an access in and an access out. Access out is just as important as getting in there. But I would make sure that I had those trails really, really clean and I have them identified. I would do all that in the spring. Forest does it all the time, uh, clearing and cleaning and making sure that we can get in there without making a sound. Mm. Something that you can climb up into your tree stand and they're unaware that you're there. So you're looking at structure first and foremost. You know, do you have some ravines? Do you have some hogbacks as far as getting into those spots? There too, I would hunt high in the morning. When you've got a high pressure morning and deer cast is showing great and you see that barometers on the rise, I would stay up top. I would not go down low of a morning. Uh, and conversely, in the evening, when your thermals are dropping and, and you know they're sliding downhill, I would be at the bottom. And we touched on that access to that set in the bottom. It's harder to get in there in the afternoon and evening without running deer out than it is in the morning. So I would probably go in under the cover of darkness and, and just pack a pack a lunch and sit there all day mm -hmm. so that you don't have to go out and come back in. Because yeah. as you do that, the more trips that you make in and out, the less deer you're going to see. That's almost a given. Uh, for whatever reason, they're starting to pick up a little bit of scent off your boots or, or maybe some scent that you're you know dissipating throughout. So the number or sightings start to go down and decrease just a little bit as you pound those sets or you start hunting them uh, more often. The only thing that that helps you is when the rut does kick in, which we'll be getting into that here, you know, before too terribly long. 
sometimes you can throw caution to the wind and you just sit that spot regardless. If you know it's good and you've had great history there throughout the test of time, then by golly, stay there and, and continue pounding it. Uh, but those those thermals, high pressure mornings are usually the best mornings to go. Terry, how are you um, dressing your mock scrapes? How are we how are we building them? Yeah, and what, what are you putting anything in them on the on the, we, the we, licking we, branch? We uh, HS has got some good stuff that we've been using, and and uh, that that's great. Generator, we'll yeah. we'll start them with that, and then you can get a little bit more aggressive as you get closer to the rut, but. Uh, I'm real careful about putting too much scent out there. We, we don't go overboard. We just use a minimal amount, but we build big ones, ones that they can see. Uh, same way with those rubs, you know, they're, they're big in their eyes. Everybody talks about their nose, but that visual is a big deal to them. It really is. So having the visibility where it's kind of a, you create your own hub scrape or, uh, you know, a public scrape for everybody to use community scrape. They're the wagon, wagon spoke effect where they're coming from all directions to get there, uh, build one of those and then, and, and then maybe build some smaller ones on each side of it for different wind directions. And I wouldn't build them too terribly far apart, you know, maybe eight to 10 yards, 20 yards at max so that they're kind of going in there and they're looking specifically for that scrape line. Hmm. But uh, if you don't have it, build it, they will come. All right. So are there any other, you know, when you're looking at the mass crop, you're looking at, you know, if everybody around them, is kind of dealing with the same food source that he has a ton of white oaks. Is there a certain type of terrain you're looking for in that timber? You know, an oak flat, uh, you know, we're talking a lot about ridges and hanging on the side of ridges and your thermals rising in the morning. What if it's just an oak flat in general and there's oak trees everywhere? Like what else can you do besides putting your scrapes or, you know, mock scrapes out? Is there something else we can do? You, would you be referring to a bottom, a flat bottom, or are you still talking about a ridge top or because a ridge you top, like those, an oak flat? Yeah, you can have those oak flats. I would prefer sitting on one side or the other to get my wind to go out over the top. If it's falling off, you'd sit kind of on that on that side hill or close to the edge of that because that's where they're going to run anyway. Mm -hmm. A big buck will. You know, the chances of him sauntering right down the middle of it are slim and none. If they do it, it's a very short period of time where they start to come up from one side. They may walk that center for a little bit and they're going to drop down and go the other side. They they're not just going to walk down the middle of that flat for a very extended period. Mm -hmm. So I would I would be checking those trails, obviously, uh, all winter long and seeing where the majority of that sign is at, you know, because it's so much more visible in the winter months and then hang some cameras in there and let let the cameras kind of tell you a little bit of that history and see exactly where they're moving to and from. And uh, I, I like what you're saying about those oak flats, but oftentimes when those acorns start to dribble down the hill, you'll see them down there picking them up where the most up majority of them are. A lot of times they'll end up at the bottom or, or partially down there in a, in a ravine or something. So the flats are good. They usually clean those up first mm -hmm. because they're kind of easy pickings. And then they'll go down and start gobbling up all the rest of them. But I would just go off the side hill just a little bit on either side for both wind, both wind directions and cast your scent out over those over those uh, big ravines. Meaning if you've got a ridge running north and south, I'd be on the east and the west side and hunt, hunt the east set on a west, hunt the west, west on an east and blow it out over the top of them. So. When you're looking at terrain, say you're looking at, you know, you're in Deercast maps, you're looking at the um, satellite, but you switch over to say that um, topo view or, mm -hmm. you know, there's a terrain view that you really allows you to see some of the 
features. If you zoom out, you really kind of, it, it shades it. Some relief shading. Yeah. Do you, do you look for like certain veins or, you know, when you're looking at that, like, um, a hog back or something. Is there certain things that you think this is the pinch point? This is where they're all going to be kind of traveling through and then focus in on that. Well, those contour intervals kind of tell you the story when those contour intervals are really, really close. That means it's really, really steep. When those contour intervals are pretty far apart, that means it's fairly flat. Where, where those, all those points, hogbacks and all that stuff kind of come together to that flat that you're talking about. I would love a situation like that or a saddle. You see big bucks cross a saddle very, very often in the middle of a ridge. You may have a real long ridge running, you know, north and south, but if there's a saddle in there or more than one saddle, they're going to come up, particularly of an evening when the, when the thermals are sliding down, you see them coming up over the top and they'll hit that saddle and go back over the other side, or they may walk up the ridge for just a short period, but I would look for a, just a depression in the top of that ridge or where everything comes together. And that's where I would build my mock scrapes. All yeah. right. Seems to be the path of least resistance. They're about as lazy as we are when it comes to getting from yeah. point A to point B. So we're they at really are. 17 are. minutes here. So I think I want to shut it down. Is there any closing, any closing topic or thing that you want to mention for this specifically hunting timber. Basically that's what we've been talking about. Hunting timber, uh, ridges. I think you covered most of it. Is there anything in closing you want to touch? Well, we talked about access, how important it is. I think a lot of guys, if you, you really should have the wind in your face when you're going in, not at your back. Mm -hmm. So access is 90% of the battle being able to get in there without bumping the deer that you're actually hunting. That's, that's a big, big part of it. Uh, and I, I didn't touch on this, but I do want to say something about tree stand safety, safe lines, making sure your carabiner works, make sure the Prusik knot is, is set correctly where you can slide it up, slide it down and it's working and functioning. So there's a, a, a lot of tips that you can make sure that you do in preparation, which is what Forrest does. A lot of those ladders, we make sure that they go up just past the stand elevation so that you can literally step over while you're still, you know, while your carabiner is still lanyard off. So there's tricks of getting in and out where you're not making any noise. Uh, and some of ours are tricky as hell to get in and out of. They're, they're worse climbing out than they are climbing in. But I feel like I'm being really noisy on certain days. Those are the ones that you have to work on. If you're making a lot of racket getting in your set, then you need to go back and, and fix it and clean it up and, and make sure that it's ready so that you can slide in there and step in without making any noise. So preparation is, is really half the battle. Access and prep for killing these big deer. All right. Yeah, sounds about right. <clears throat> okay. All right. Well, episode one of just the tip, the rut series is in the books. I think we got some good information. Yeah. Stick around for episode two. Yeah. We're going to roll these out every, probably every couple of days. So uh, you'll see one coming here real soon. Hope everybody is enjoying this time of year. It's the best time of hunting season, but be careful and uh, hunt safe. That's right. All, All right. right. See you next episode. Peace. DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind check out to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast. DeerCast.